Welcome to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Now here's your Lighthouse Council host. Hello and welcome to this edition of The Beacon Podcast, your connection to nonprofit success. I'm Jeff Jowdy, your host for today's discussion on investment governance. Our guest today is Adam Drettler, a principal in the Nashville office of wealth management company Diversified Trust, which designs and implements portfolios that sustain the missions of institutions. We'll share more about Diversified Trust at the close of this program, but it's a firm that we hold in the highest regard and would encourage all of our listeners, if you're not familiar with Diversified Trust and their services, to check them out. So, Adam, welcome to the Beacon Podcast. Thank you. I'm very uh, flattered to be here, and I appreciate it. We're, we're grateful for your insight. And when you think about investment governance, and uh, to me, the pandemic, and and we were just discussing before we began recording about the wonderful Mackenzie Scott gifts, and and a lot of institutions, uh, you know, dealing not dealing with, well, you are dealing they are, uh, with that in a positive way of what, how to shepherd those resources and and giving uh, USA was recently released and giving in the US was up last year not not equally but certainly a lot of nonprofits did very well and, and needed to during the pandemic financially and and so I know a lot are wrestling with how do we handle our reserves how do we handle endowment and I know this will be very very important to our to our listeners so but at diversified trust Adam is responsible for serving institutions and families and before Joining Diversified Trust, Adam worked at Ziff Brothers Investments, a multi-billion dollar single family office based in New York City, where he traded a wide range of global macro products for the family, including currencies, equities, ETFs, interest rates, futures, and commodities. And before that, Adam worked as an equity trader for Deutsche Bank, where he helped build and develop its small and mid-cap trading program. And Adam started his career as a uh, broker on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. And we were, it was, uh, again, before recording, it was fun to to hear some stories about life on the floor. Uh, we won't date you, but um, <laughs> it was a, probably a more lively time on the floor of the exchange than it is today, for sure. Yes, it was, it was fascinating, that is for sure. Well, Adam graduated from Duke University with a Bachelor of Arts degree. He's a board member of the Jewish Federation of Middle Tennessee where he also very appropriately serves as investment uh, chairman. And he's a board member of the Jewish Federation of Middle Tennessee, where he also serves as chairman of the investment committee. And Adam, again, it's a real treat to have you here to talk about a subject that is so important to the financial health of a nonprofit. Uh, but I know for, for many, the whole investment arena can, and policies and governance can seem intimidating. So thank you so much for being with us. No, I appreciate it. It's a, a kind, thoughtful introduction, and um, yeah, it, it's it's been a fascinating year, frankly, and and you know, with what's gone on with the pandemic and with what's gone on in the markets as a firm at Diversified Trust, we've seen governance and structure really become top of mind for the for the nonprofits that we've worked with and we serve because. Frankly, in the good times, it's, it's it's less important or it feels less important. It's always incredibly important to have structure in place no matter what, but it's much easier to not focus on that when everything's going smoothly. And obviously everything didn't go smoothly for quite a long uh, in 2020. And 
not only in the investment world, but it just got scary, frankly, in general, I think for all of us. Um, and so um, we, we kind of joke around that, um, you know, you don't need a plan until you need a plan. And, and planning when times are good is often, often falls to the bottom of the to-do list. And so I'm, I'm thankful to be here and I love talking about the topic. I think it's really important. I think it's actually core for any nonprofit and frankly, any family or even businesses to have a strategy. I mean, what business doesn't have a strategy? What sports team doesn't have a strategy? And so the same thing falls true for, for nonprofit organizations, you know, to have a strategy not only around your operations, but around your, your investments is just really, really important. So thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. And Adam, can you share, really just start from the basics for our listeners about what exactly investment governance is and how it relates to the financial health and ultimately the vision of a nonprofit? Sure. Yep. I would love to. So governance is a, is a fancy word that people, that people throw around a lot, but it's really a, it's a plan. It's, it's a playbook. It's a structure for how a nonprofit or an institution wants to oversee a pool of capital. Um, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, and frankly, it, it oftentimes doesn't start with, okay, how much should we invest here versus investing here? That's kind of the end result of all of the work that goes in ahead of that. So at its core, it, it helped creates a system of decision-making and oversight that's used to not only to invest a specific pool of capital, but also to run the organization. And I think this system is so key because you need structure in place to properly oversee a pool of capital. You need to stress test some of your assumptions to properly oversee a pool of capital. You need to understand a lot of if-then statements. If something were to happen here, then how does that impact up? This, how does that impact us as an organization? And, and governance sort of encompasses all of that. So it, it, at its core, it really is, it's a game plan. And it's a game plan that you're putting in place oftentimes before the game starts. And it's just so key for, for organizations to have a good, thoughtful structure in place that they can look back on and they can rely on. And again, as we were talking about, oftentimes during the good times, it doesn't seem as important. But there's going to be those periods of time in all of our lives, whether it was the 2008, 2009 financial crisis or during the pandemic that we saw last year, you know, 9-11 is another example that, that I was involved in from an investment perspective where I was overseeing capital during that, where you see these dramatic moves. And they're, they're things that none of us will ever forget personally, but also having a structure and a playbook in place really made a difference. And the groups that we work with, that's a huge part of what we focus on from the onset. Deploying capital is is the end result. And so it's all of those things that we're doing to lead up to that, that then ultimately help us figure out what the appropriate investment tools we're going to use and, and investment allocations we're going to we're going to rely on. So so, yeah, there's a lot that goes into governance, but at its core, you know, it's the playbook for how we're going to how we're going to manage this pool of capital. That's awesome. Thanks for that that framework. And Adam, Diversified Trust recommends that Nonprofit leaders ask uh, themselves three questions about investment governance, and and if you would, could you just uh, share those those questions, and then and then uh, and then we'd we'd love to hear what the right answer might be. <laughs> 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 you know, 
<laughs> well, I can certainly help with the with part A of that question, and I will do my best with part B of that question. Part B of that question is so specific, as you know, to the nonprofit um, or the organization that's that's crafting their governance. But I can I can give some maybe some guiding principles that's that great. would be helpful. You know, I, I think the first thing that people need to think about, organizations need to think about when they have a pool of capital is what's the purpose. What's the purpose of these assets? Is it to fund operations? Is it a rainy day fund that we need to keep you know, very safe? Is there long-term capital that can be invested in a kind of a longer-term nature that could theoretically take on a little bit more risk? And, and so purpose really is the first thing that we push and try to help organizations think about because because ultimately until you until you craft and curate what the purpose of the assets are there's no way to invest them a pool of capital that's going to get spent in one year is completely different than a pool of capital that's going to get spent in three years or five years or ten years and as a result every single portfolio that we build for people generally looks different because every nonprofit we work with has a different mission they have a different purpose for the for the capital. They could have different spending policies that come into place. Some might spend more, some might spend less. Some are dipping into it in kind of bigger chunks at a time for specific needs. Um, some have more consistent use. So they're drawing off it in a more consistent nature. And so all of these things fall under the, what's the purpose of the pool of capital that we're working with? And, and once we frame out that purpose, we can then continue to move forward. But until you can define what we're going to use this money for, there's no way you can build a portfolio, frankly. It's it's just impossible. And so, you know, oftentimes we end up asking a lot of questions, probably to the point where some of the groups we work with say, can we stop? Can we stop with the questions? <laughs> can we just get moving? But if you don't have the structure and the process in place from the beginning, you're bound to be disappointed at some point down the line. You really are. And so I think the first the first thing we we ask folks and and, and nonprofits we work with is, you know, what's the purpose? What do we want to do with this cap? Um, so that's kind of number one. Number two, and I think this is oftentimes overlooked. Or what are the roles and the responsibilities? So we have, we've defined a purpose. What are the roles and the responsibilities of the people within the organization who are making decisions around this purpose? So, okay, we know what we want to do. Well, now who's making the decisions on maybe how we execute? How do we move forward with this? And is that a board making decisions on the, on the investments? Is it an investment committee making decisions? Is it an investment advisor making decisions? Usually it's a combination of all three who's having to sign off on certain things. And so you have your purpose and then you define the roles and the responsibilities of the various parties that are involved. And that starts to, then then you're starting to, to curate really proper governance and you're starting to curate really a more thoughtful, intentional program with which the organization can then kind of look back on and again, as we've talked a couple of times already about, look back on when things get tough and say, here's what, here's what this purpose is. Here are the people who are making these decisions. And here's the process that we've implemented to, to, get those, to get those decisions made. And then I think the third one is, what's your, what's your investment objective? What are you trying to achieve? Is it as much growth as possible? Is this a 30-year time horizon where... You know, you can handle a lot of volatility and you can handle a lot of maybe a lot more risk 
than than other organizations because you have funds that that might not be touched for a very long time um is it preservation of purchasing power is that is that the key investment objective is it a some sort of an inflation plus something number that you get to that kind of allows you to then frame how you're going to deploy capital you know how much risk are you willing to take how much illiquidity are you willing to take on these are all these are all decisions that need to be made before you can then start to think about okay now how do we achieve those we know we have a long term pool of capital we know we can handle risk and and i think the word risk and volatility get inter get, get used kind of i think the risk and volatility tend to get used in a similar fashion the way we think about risk is is a potential for a permanent loss of capital that's very different than volatility the markets are going to go up and the markets are going to go down and so do you need to manage that volatility in a portfolio in a portfolio that isn't seeing any sort of a portfolio that's not seeing any any capital being taken out of it can can handle more volatility than a portfolio that is seeing capital taken out of it and and the, the easiest example is if you have $10 and and the market goes down 10% well now you have $9 the market goes up 10% you don't have $10 yeah, it, you have to go up. You have to go incrementally. Have to have to achieve a higher return to get back up to where you were. And then even a, a worst case scenario, if you have to take money out of that portfolio after that ten percent drawdown, well, now you have a bigger problem on your hands. So, is managing volatility one of your investment objectives? So, I think really the three questions we kind of we push towards people are: What's the purpose? Let's really think about what the purpose, and there doesn't need to be one purpose for the capital. We have a lot of groups that we work with that have multiple pools of capital. And prior to joining us, they were all lumped in together and potentially invested together. And once we were able to peel back the layers a little bit, we realized, you know what? Some of this is a little bit more midterm, short to midterm in nature, call it three to five years. Um, and it's hard to think that three to five years is short term in nature, but but when you're looking at the at the markets, um, that's kind of how we think about it. And then you you actually do have a separate pool that you don't plan on touching for a very long time that is much longer term in nature. So we, in fact, have multiple portfolios in place for a lot of the organizations that we work with to line up exactly what the purpose is. So I guess that's sort of an answer to the to the first question is when you define the purpose, the answer is then you're able to craft a portfolio that matches up with that. You can't craft a portfolio and then say, and then back into what the purpose is. In terms of the roles and responsibilities, that is that becomes very organization specific. And I think that I think I think the more I think having multiple groups involved is great, but you can have too many people frankly, trying to make decisions. So so I, I think the answer to that one is you want to have very clearly defined roles and responsibilities, but you need to decide who's making the call on things. And I think it's important to delegate that. And and if whether it's a diversified trust overseeing a pool of capital, we're a fiduciary. If you're on a nonprofit board, you're a fiduciary, whether you whether you know it or not. And so um, and if you're on an investment committee, you're a fiduciary. And so Somebody needs to make that call. And so really being being um, intentional on saying, okay, here is the process, here are the rules and the responsibilities. And when this happens, 
this is this is the group that's going to make the call and ultimately this is how the decision is going to be made so i think i sort of was able to answer i guess the second <laughs> the second piece of advice and then the investment objective is incredibly specific to the nonprofit um and i think it's impossible for me to pretend to to say that i can answer that question but frankly once you understand what the purpose of the assets are and once you've defined the roles and the responsibilities the objective almost forms itself and so if you get number 1 and number 2 right the investment objective becomes very clear very quickly which is which is a good thing frankly and that that's very very helpful and kind of our final question would love to just hear your thoughts about the pandemic and which of course we all hope is nearing an end and and you know many nonprofits have, are doing well some I know in the performing arts and and those that rely on the tenants are still probably further behind but what what impact uh, do you feel the pandemic had on nonprofits relating to investment and governance and do you see any long-term effects yeah it, it was a really obviously a scary period of time for all of us most importantly just as a as a community and as a as a world there was so much pain that we all felt during that so you know thinking about the investment side of it is important it seems it seems trivial at times but it's so important to think about what happened and look back on it and see what we can learn about it so i really appreciate the question i hate to say it but you know i think i think nonprofits or institutional pools of capital that didn't have thoughtful governance in place that didn't have thoughtful structure in place were exposed and unfortunately that's just the fact you know you have if you have i apologize for the consistent sports analogies but if you have your playbook in place you know it was it was fourth and 50 from your own one yard line and somewhere in the playbook you know there's a play for that but you, you don't think about that play on the fly in the huddle and so having structured governance and having structured investment objectives for the nonprofits that we work with it allowed them really to play offense in a time where a lot of people were playing on their heels and one just one very clear example is you know we think about when you're deploying pools of capital we have what's called an investment policy statements which i know you're very familiar with for every pool of capital that we oversee and that very strictly governs how much we're going to deploy into each asset class what that's going to look like how we're going to achieve those exposures so if if in your investment policy statement it said we are going to have between 50 and 60% of our portfolio in public equities when the market goes down 35% or 40% well all of a sudden that number went down to 30% and so as hard as it was as scary as it was if you can go back to this investment policy statement which is a form of governance it allowed you to say we crafted this when times were safe and people felt good and everything was going well and we're now in the position to have to execute on what we thought about and spent a lot of time on again when things were going well and what you would do and what we did is you you rotate back to what you're what your targets are as unpleasant or as scary as it may have felt as scary and as unpleasant as it may have felt 
um, there was a structure in place. And so in hindsight, it's easy to say, well, that that looked great. And wow, diversify trust, way to go. You, you know, you were able to rotate out of fixed income and buy and buy equities, and we all know what the market's done from them. But frankly, it wasn't because of our view necessarily on specific pockets of the equity market. It's because there was a playbook in place and there was governance in place and there was structure in place that said, when we go outside of these bands dramatically, here's what we're going to do. Because we know this is a long-term pool of capital and we know that when we see um, severe bouts of volatility, um, we're going to be able to react. And so it kind of goes back to that thought of, were you playing offense or were you playing defense? And it allowed a lot of nonprofits to to play offense during this period of time. And it's really hard to do that emotionally. The, the, the psychology side of investing would generally have you think about it almost opposite. Like I need to de-risk. I need to completely go to cash. I need to completely sell everything that has any sort of risk embedded to it because who knows what's going to happen because we're emotional human beings and, and that's just how we think. And and um, unless you've memorialized these structures and these investment objectives, again, when times were calm, there's no way, or it's very difficult to think that you could have that you could have pivoted or tilted a portfolio back to what you back to your sort of original guidelines in the middle of what was a, a very scary time for all of us. So I think the pandemic was a was a terrible time, but I think what it, it did it accomplished two things. For, for organizations that had great governance and structure, it allowed them to, to dust off that, that playbook and look at what they had thought about, again, during calm, during calm seas, and then go ahead and, and keep moving forward. And then I think for, for institutions that didn't have good governance in place, they realized that they need it. And I think we've seen a lot of folks really focus on governance since going through such a hard time. Because again, it was so emotional for everybody. And to try to think clearly during a period of time like that's really difficult, especially when you're dealing with markets that are so volatile. It forced people to really embrace the term governance that I know you believe so much in. Of course, I believe so much in it because that's what I do (laughs) for a living. And so, and I think it's just so important. So I think, um, I think it, it, Ultimately, it, it forced everybody to think much more about what is our long-term goals, what is the purpose, um, what are the roles, who are making the decisions, and ultimately, how are we going to invest the pools of capital? And so anybody that didn't have things really buttoned up, uh, hopefully, it was a period of time where, where they were um, enlightened and they saw that, wow, we really need, we need structure in place because this, this doesn't feel good and this is really scary. And um, and we need to we need to make sure that if something like this happens again, we're prepared. And and it will. You know, we will see we will see another recession. We will see something that impacts the market so dramatically again that that we will all need to be prepared to to act in in those periods of time. And I think I'm kind of wrap, talk, wrapping it all up. You know, the ability to act and feel confident about what you're doing really only happens if there's a structure in place and and you know, really thoughtful governance, which is a lot of work. I mean, I think you and I both know this. Um, it doesn't just happen. It takes months and months and months to oftentimes get to that point where you feel really good about about the structure and the governance that you put into place 
So it's a lot of work to do it. And that's why, frankly, a lot of people don't do it. It's not easy. Um, it forces hard decisions. But if you can get those decisions memorialized, um, you're, you're going to be better off in the long run, for sure. Well, Adam, this has been such a helpful, relevant, and, and vital conversation. And if any of our listeners haven't, don't have the right playbook, the right plan, we'd encourage you to, to reach out to Adam and our friends at Diversified Trust at diversifiedtrust.com. Again, this is so important. And, and uh, I know you've, you've helped and guided many nonprofits during this time. And, and uh, the, my, my one uh, concern, we, we've all hopefully learned short term from, from what we've experienced, but I hope that any, any nonprofits that are listening or in period that are not ready, as you shared for the next event, that they will make, get those plans in place and reach out to great folks like Diversified Trust to, to have the guidance that they need so that they can weather the next storm as you, as you so eloquently shared. So thank you again for, for your insight today and for all that you do for nonprofits I know across the country. And, and uh, we're just look forward to our next conversation. We'd love to have you back on the Beacon Podcast. Well, I would love it. And, and thank you for having me. And, you know, nonprofits do such incredible work for our community and for this world. And so, you know, getting these things in place allows, frankly, allows those wonderful people to go help serve whatever mission it is that they're focused on. And, and this is something that you can get in place and then and then keep focusing on on helping people. So we we love we love to be we love to to help groups like this. And so if, yeah, if we can ever be a resource, please feel free to reach out. And thank you so much for having me. It's been really a lot of fun. Well, this, this with you today. Well, it's been great, and I've learned a lot from you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us for this edition of the Beacon Podcast. Your connection to nonprofit success. Thanks for listening to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Tune in every week for nonprofit topics with special guest interviews. Suggest future topics and learn more about upcoming podcasts and guests at lighthousecouncil.com.